for this. I wouldn't have a life if it weren't for radio. So something I don't normally share a lot is that I found radio at a very uh, pivotal time in my life where my headspace wasn't great. I just uh, lost my uncle who was very dear to me. I, so I listened to the radio at the time and I thought, you know, radio is such a powerful thing because it helped me get better mentally. And I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't cling to radio in that time. The the Tony Doe Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Tony Doe. It's time to meet my guest. Uh, Okay, Uh, my name is Osato EDK. I like to describe myself as an incurable media junkie. I believe that I'm living a story, the type that starts with a cheer and ends with a bang. I got into radio in 2012 in my hometown of Benin City, and I've moved across the country to Lagos and Abuja, and I basically really just live for adventure. I'm currently living my dreams of delivering a great radio experience on Sound City Radio Abuja. I kickstart the weekday on What's Up Abuja, and then Sunday's a midday, count down the biggest Niger anthems on the Top 20 Nigeria chart show across the Sound City Radio Network in five cities. But I believe that my coolest gig so far is doing my best to help raise a tribe of the best new media talents through mentorships and training. Hosato, why radio? Yo, why radio? That is such a loaded question. I think um, subconsciously I'd been groomed around the medium, right? My dad uh, used to have this big boombox he bought in the 80s. And every morning at 4.30 would uh, be woken up to sounds from the BBC World Service. That's legit how I used to wake up every morning. And, you know, growing up, you know, you'd, you'd watch the BBC, you'd watch CNN. I read newspapers, at least three newspapers every day, you know, when I was way younger. And it just sort of got there. In my city, in Benin City, there were only like three radio stations at the time I was growing up. Maybe even two. Yeah, so going to school, coming back from school, your commute was all radio. So I guess... Just being brought up around radio that way, it was sort of inevitable. And I just knew that I gravitated towards retaining information, speaking with my mates and sharing thoughts that I had. I think I still have a big fear of public speaking, which is odd I know for radio, but it's there. But nonetheless, I think it was a no-brainer going to radio because at the time I believed it also provided the anonymity for me to share my wacky ideas and wacky stories and just have a great time and make people feel good without my face necessarily being the main focus. But you know how, how times have changed with Instagram. So that part hasn't actually gone to plan. But basically, I started radio because I really wanted to express myself and share all the ideas that are running through my head and try to make people feel as good as I felt. How your radio journey takes start? How did it all begin for you? Whoa. Um, so I actually started out my media journey in print media. I used to be a campus life uh, reporter for the Nation newspaper when I was in uni. I didn't like uni very much. So I decided to really pursue the things that made me happy. And a career in media was it really. So I started out by writing. And then one day I discovered that a classmate of mine was interning at the local Rhythm FM station in Benin City at the time. And I thought, oh, wow, man, how did you get there? And he told me that his mom knew the PD at the time, uh, Cleo Tao. She's a, she was amazing. And I said, yo, hook me up, bro. <laughs> and he was very kind. He was very gracious. He did, because uh, we weren't like super close or anything in class, but he was, he was very gracious about it. He uh, shared uh, Cleo Tao's number with me, told her that I would call, and I did. We spoke a bit on the phone. I introduced myself, and she said, you know what? She was busy. That later in the day, she'd call me and ask me a few questions and uh, see if she wanted to meet me. 
because she did the morning drive at Rhythm FM Benin at the time, and it was pop culture, but it was also super political because of the market that you know she broadcast to. So she'd asked me about, I think, local government elections at the time, and she asked me what I knew about it, and I just spat out what I'd been reading in the papers. Again, remember, I used to read a lot of dailies on my phone this time because I'd moved to uni. I wasn't really going to be buying <laughs> physical newspapers, right? We had the internet. So she said she was going to call me and ask me more about it. So I went online and I did my research. I researched like crazy and decided to wait for her call. At the time she said she was going to call me, she didn't call me. So I had to go out with my friends. But I know what I did was I took my notepad that scribbled all of my thoughts about what was happening with the local government elections at the time in Edo State. And I just took it with me. I was like, well, if this woman calls, I want to be actually prepared, right? So I I'd prepared. And looking back, I think I'd done my show prep, right? And eventually I was having ice cream with my guys. When she called, I stepped out with my notepad. And, you know, she just started blasting me with like random questions. What's this? What's this? What's this? And I just explained it the way I understood it. And I think she liked it because she asked me to show up at the office the following day, which I did. She then asked me to read, I think, a couple of scripts for her. She liked them. And then she said, you know what? She was going to reach out to me. And I went away. And every morning I would listen to Clear Tower. I, I didn't really used to listen to a lot of radio at the time in uni. Just a lot of rap music. But I specifically started listening to her show because I was like, hey, if this woman is going to call me and I have to work with her. I want to be absolutely prepared, right? So she didn't call me for another, let's say, nine months. Actually, it took her nine months to call me back. And in that time, a, another station had just uh, launched in Benin City. It was called Vibes FM. I'd heard them on test transmission. And I was like, you know what? I'd already put my foot in the water with this radio business. I better go all out. So I went to Vibes FM as well and told them, look, I'd like to like to be here. The program's director, Tuchukwe Gibara, he's late now, he's a great guy, told me that they were looking for people who were already doing radio because they were new and they went to lunch with a very strong team and they really didn't have room to train someone at the time. And I said, okay, that's fair. You know, I'll keep in touch. And I became one of the hardest listeners of that session. I knew I was the first person to ever comment on their Facebook page. I think if you go there now, they have over 30,000 likes or followers on Facebook. I was the first person to follow them on Facebook in 2012. And I remember I used to really be such a big fan. You know, I used to listen to... His show, I listened to Cleo's show. I just like, look, one of you has to call me. I don't know who, but one of you has to call me. And eventually, uh, Cleo Tower gave me a call first. Randomly out of the blue, we hadn't spoken at all. I mean, I'd sent text messages to check in, but we hadn't spoken at all. And then randomly, she calls me in the afternoon and she says, hey, can you show up to the studio 5.30 tomorrow and let's analyze some newspapers together. I'm like, okay, sure, you know. Following day, I woke up at 3 o'clock. Uh, I've always been an early riser, to be honest. I've always been a morning person. But I woke up at 3 o'clock when I had no business waking up that early at the time because, you know, school was on holiday and whatever. And I remember I was at home at the time and I told my dad, you have been invited to come to the radio station to come talk. So I had to drive out of where I stayed at about 5.30 in the morning. It was still dark. And I drove all the way to Ugbawa from Ekewa Road. If you know Benin City, you know that's quite a distance. And I went to the station and she said, okay, cool. She introduced me as Osatu Edokwai and he's going to be analyzing the news. I had zero radio experience at the time and she just threw me on primetime radio and asked me to talk to, to what at that time of the day is an audience that actually knows, knows, knows their stuff. And here I was just about 20 years old <laughs> and sharing the show with this amazing presenter and um yeah she, i mean she was very kind she eased me into it really well 
And because I'd been doing some reporting anyway, I sort of knew my stuff. I was able to finesse it the first day. I didn't tell anybody. None of my friends knew I was going to be on air. Nobody. Only my my family members knew I was going to the radio station. I didn't tell them what exactly I was going to do. I didn't I didn't say you'll catch me at this time. <laughs> it was Twitter then, but I did not put it out. It was later my friends were like, yo, I was listening to the radio. I, what, oh, that was you? I saw a couple of tweets at the time. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. Basically, that's how I got on. And I'd go there, I think, three times a week. You know, I, I, I worked on my on-air confidence. And uh, Cleo Tao, God, God rest her soul, she was she was incredibly gracious to, to let me at the time who knew nothing to just let me, you know, do the things that, that I did at the time at the radio station. Uh, eventually, due to some other circumstances, I, I left there and I thought I was leaving radio. But I think maybe a few months later, I got a second call from uh, TJ Tochiko Gibara, who had gone to meet at Vibes FM before. This was six months after our first meeting. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'd been a stand on their radio show, so he kept reading my name. I read my comments on every program anyway. So he sort of uh, kept me in mind, I think, DM me on Twitter because he lost my number and my CV and then I used to apply. And he was like, hey, you know what? I think we have room now. Can you pull up? And I did. And that's how I moved to Vibes FM and uh, started what I believe was a proper internship because I shadowed all the shows, worked with all the presenters, did a bunch of things. It was a lot. Uh, I used to do three live shows and two recorded shows. I had to deliver them every week and I had to go back to school. It was, it was, it was, quite, it was quite a lot at the time, but I'm very grateful for that. Uh, TJ was a, was a mentor of mine. He was really great. Again, very, very gracious with his knowledge. I think I've been very fortunate to work with people who uh, have um, really been keen on letting me know a lot of what they know and build me to even do better than they, than they managed to do. And that, that's, just, that's very rare in our industry and to... To have been under the tutelage of such people is just a, it was just a blessing. Who were your major influences coming into radio? I mean, like I said, I wasn't like a big radio head when I was growing up. I didn't grow up in Lagos. So there were like a lot of radio presenters, like, you know, the average Lagosian who's my age would say they grew up listening to all these big names. I mean, my city, we had some big names. You know, we had a guy who's still on radio now, Sydney Shocker, on independent radio at the time. Uh, one time I physically saw him when we were going on excursion at Ring Road in Benin City and everybody in my school bus was shouting, Sydney Shocker. He was, he's that big. I won't say he was. He's still big. Uh, there are guys like Andy Bello, who's also a mentor of mine. Andy Bello used to be on TV. Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro used to be on TV in Benin City at the time. He's on radio in Abuja now. I realize now how young they were when they started and how they just did it for the love and whatever. And I just used to always enjoy the fact that they had fresh ideas to stuff. I didn't know that I was sort of learning from them. I just enjoyed them. And looking back now, I think they were really big influences for me. Uh, there was a legend in, in broadcasting in Edelsia at the time called Tony Abolo. He was phenomenal. He trained with the BBC. He was great. There were other guys. Man. I remember I used to call him to a particular... Um, I think his first name was Osasu. He passed on some time ago. He used to work for independent radio and TV as well. One time I called him, he picked up the phone. And I said, hello. He said, hello. I was like... It was like, where are you calling from? I told him my location. And then... I hung up. It was a landline, so I banged it back. And then I, I turned on the radio, and it was like, oh, it just, it just uh, went off. They had a nice voice. And I thought, oh, I should say, oh, really? You said so? But I never called into a radio again. I was really shy. I was really timid at the time. Uh, but I think that my influences to go into radio are people who sort of showed me a window into that world where broadcasters in Benin City, at the time, we only had two, really, when I was really uh, growing up. There it was the, the state broadcaster, Edo Broadcasting Service, and uh, independent radio. So it was really guys who worked there that, that, that really 
uh, nurtured my interest in it. I realize now, after all these years, you know, that all of it was subconscious at the time, but it was there. And when I eventually got into radio, my influences, obviously, and when I eventually got into radio, I expanded my listening reach and, you know, big names like Ryan Seacrest, Rick Dees. Ky- I like Kyle and Jackie O in Australia. I like Elvis Durant on Z100. Um, I would say one of my other influences is the current group head of radio where I work at Sound City Radio, King James, Jonathan James Liam Gunn. We call him KJ. I mean, he did radio, TV, sales, everything. So <laughs> he is incredibly cool to to work with. It's been it's been really sharp with with the guidance as well in this phase of my career. So I'm very grateful for that. I mean, lots of names, a lot of radio stations I listen to that I enjoy and that I maybe try to bite off from. Um, in that way, I feel like they influence me. So one of my favorite guys right now is Greg James on Radio 1. I think it's just phenomenal how personably he, he really is. So yeah, those would be some of the influences that, that I have had and that I currently have. As a mentor and someone who's particularly looking for specific things in the people you do mentor coming into radio, what does it take to be a good radio broadcaster? Yo, this is such a good question. I think discipline. I think if you want to be a good radio broadcaster, discipline. I think really if you want to excel at anything in life that you really intend to do, you have to be disciplined. So clearly there are lots of talented people in our industry now. There are lots of people with different skill sets that can do a bunch of things, right? But there's also not a lot of them shining through despite the abundance of talents that exist. There is also sadly a dearth in actual quality broadcasting happening right now and that's just because um a lot of us are not as disciplined as as we should be so hey you can be talented you can learn a bunch of things about radio and about broadcasting in general but for you to continue to deliver excellent quality of work at the very highest level you know you have to be able to take your listeners or your audience generally seriously you know you can't be taking your audience for granted you can't say, oh, because I'm on, I'm this voice that they listen to every morning or this face that they wake up to on television or whatever. Uh, therefore, you know, they, they must be in ought to be in my presence and such things. No, I, th- I think you have to be disciplined, really. And if you have the right discipline and the right attitude, you can really excel at this. How do you get into your creative space? What do you do for show prep? That's that's tough to describe, Tony, because I'm always in show prep mode. I'm in show prep mode right now. You know, if I open Instagram and I see something interesting, or I open Twitter, I see something interesting, or I'm, I mean, we'll say two for a haircut, or I'm strolling through the Jabi Mall or something, and I see something interesting on, on the way. It's a show prep. I'm always in show prep mode. One of my favorite apps, let me not say favorite, one of my most used apps would be <laughs> Google Keep uh, my, for, for keeping notes. I have show prep notes, and I, I have for different days, for the last, you know, three, three years I've been using this phone, I've used Keep. And I know that every day, I have ideas that I want to share on the show the following day and I start writing it. Like now I already have prep materials that I want to talk about in like two days time or in three days time. So I'm always in prep mode. Um, I'm always jotting things down. (laughs) Shouts to Just Too Funny. I'm always, I'm always just paying attention to my surroundings. If I see something that's wild or wacky, I, and I know that listeners will appreciate it. I want to share that. I want to talk about it. I will write it down. But typically the real putting together of all the ideas I've gathered during the course of the day happen in the early hours of the morning before the show. So I typically wake up around 3, 3 o'clock, 3.30, and it's then that I open my Google Docs 
and flesh out my prep. So I think personally, my brain just works better and faster that early in the morning. So if there are jokes I'd like to, to share on the show, if there's an angle to a particular story that I want to take that I know would be a little unorthodox, because at the end of the day, as presenters, we're all really getting stuff from the same sources, aren't we? So I think for yours to stand out and for listeners to always want to come back to you every morning or every time of your show, you know, you have to have a fresh perspective that, you know, the other person may not be, may not have. And I think, and that's really something that I've really tried my best to work on and to build. And it just almost comes naturally to me now. When I see a story, I've seen like maybe four or five angles and I choose the best one that I feel would appeal to the audience because I'm really in the mood to share laughs and spread cheer so whatever I can do or say on the radio to help that for people starting their day with us on the station, then I'll definitely find a way to, to pull that through. So I'm always in prep mode all through the day, but I really find the time to gather my thoughts and, and put them on Google Docs uh, maybe at three or four in the morning. So that's how my prep works. What do you think about podcasts? I think podcasts are amazing. I think podcasts are... So intimate, man. I feel like podcasts offer just about anybody who's a good storyteller to find their audience and share amazing stories. And I, and I believe that uh, with the explosion of the medium lately, uh, it's, it's, it's only just beginning to, to show what it can do, especially in a market like Nigeria. Obviously, in America, podcasts have been big, big, right? But with what's happening with the, in the podcast space in Nigeria now, it's such a beautiful thing to see. I, I used to host a podcast. I mean, I started out podcasting in 2016 with a friend of mine in Benin City at the time. He used to work for a different radio station. And then he and I would record a weekly podcast. It was fun. It was great. We, we shared a lot of ideas. I mean, I go back and listen to some of the stuff we talked about and I cringe a little, but, but it, was, it was good for the time. <laughs> it was good experience as well. But it also uh, enabled me to dive into the world of podcasts super early on. So I am very big on podcasts at the moment. I have been part of different iterations of different podcasts for my radio network. We did a Sound City MVP Awards podcast one time. It never made it out of my laptop, but but I had started producing it and working on it just before my laptop crashed. And I think it would have been fantastic if we'd done it. Obviously, at the time we decided to try it, it was way ahead of its time then, but I feel like it would have been a great foundation for the network. Uh, when I moved to Abuja, we started an after-show podcast on Sound City Radio. I mean, I started a daily one. It's almost like a prerequisite now in, in a larger market, especially in America or in the UK, that a very popular show would have like a, a, a podcast where in case you missed what happened during the four hours or five hours of the show, here's a quick 15-minute extra for you to check out or maybe there's something that you know we couldn't expand on during the show maybe because of format constraints or time constraints here it is for you in a in a quick podcast for you to digest right so yeah i i started that it was daily at first but then when i create stuff i always want stuff that people can easily replicate just so that it spreads faster and so that more people get to enjoy it right so i decided to do like a weekly recap instead and and I sold it to my colleagues in other cities, in Enugu, in Lagos, in Portakot, in Kano, for about four, five, six months. Four out of the five stations on the Sound City Radio Network, the breakfast shows especially, we had an after-show podcast that was delivered every Friday before it was dark. And I just got to say, man, big shouts to to my colleagues Nina, Ima. Ima was in Portakot at the time; she's in Lagos now. Flora as well. They were amazing. I mean, I, I remember I would gather all of my material for the week and have this interesting arc of a story for the podcast, have guests if I wanted, or reuse guest interviews and just find a way to play it and make this 15-minute package 
And I'd listen to mine and think, oh, that's cool. And then i listened to theirs. And it was a window into what their show had been like for a whole week in Enugu in Potakot or in Kano. So it was very interesting. And I hope that we restart it someday. You know, I think it was, it was fantastic that it wasn't just only one presenter who did it. It was, it was four of us at the time. And it was just great content, to be honest. I've also consulted on several podcast productions. It was like a thing of mine because I not only want to present or tell stories, I also want to help people develop their storytelling abilities and if I can help build their skill set to be able to tell important stories as well. So I've been fortunate to be part of uh, some very interesting podcast projects in the last couple of years and um, I'm looking forward to doing that more because I feel like podcasts are just an interesting vehicle for amazing storytelling. What's been your favorite experience with a radio fan? It's hard to pick one, Tony. Yo, it's, it's hard to pick one. I have had people walk up to me and say that I made them smile going to work or dropping their kids. I do this thing called Star Listener on my show. Within the first hour of the show, the first person to call is crowned the Star Listener and so on. And I've had this kid, you know, walk up to me at the mall one time and, and say, Look, I know you because I follow you on Instagram. You don't know me, but if I tell you my, my, my name, you would. And he did. And I was like, of course I remember. He was like, yeah, that the day he, was, he won Star Listener, he went to school and he was an absolute rock star at school because... His, uh, his mates had, had, had heard him on the radio. Um, I mean, I've had a whole school bus of kids declare the show open. I've met a couple who listen to the show together on their way to work, and they've just been very gracious with very kind words. Um, I don't know that there's one fine experience that I'd pick. I, I feel like we get a lot of feedback on social media for the work that we do as, as radio presenters, but when it's in person, when somebody tells you how you're sharing laughs or you're just being wacky and just trying to spark joy in their lives was a way for them to escape the darkness at the time that they were living through. And um, when they hit you with information like that, it, it sort of puts your work into perspective. And I think with radio, what we do is more than just entertaining and informing and educating. I feel like with radio, what we're really doing is fostering this bonds, this relationships between us and listeners, between families, between friends. And I think radio is such a brilliant shared experience that me being on the side of the microphone where I'm able to sort of conduct the affairs around what makes that experience come together for people is such a blessing. So I have had several great fun experiences. It'll be too difficult to pick a particular one and say that's a favorite. Let's flip the coin at this point. What's <laughs> been your worst experience? I mean, based on what I just said, I'm not going to have a worst experience. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not delusional to think that everybody in Abuja or in every market I've worked in, in Benin City or in Lagos, have enjoyed my kind of radio or my brand of radio, the form of radio that we do. I'm not delusional. The people probably don't care for what I do. And that's fine, really. I feel like it's okay for you to find what gives you joy. And as much as I work hard to make sure that I do that to the majority of listeners in Abuja, if it's not some people's cup of tea, I hope that they find it elsewhere you know I, I'm, I'm rooting for them but I, but i've not had anybody come to me and say oh uh, i don't like what you're doing blah, 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 blah. so i've not had a bad fan experience in any way so i'm grateful for that because there are people who i'm sure would like to tell me off <laughs> uh in some way um i hope there are not very many of them but i, I think i'd understand why it's, it's totally okay you know um different people like different things and that's fine 
Over the course of your career, I'm sure you've had some very interesting conversations. Are there any particular celebrities or personalities you've spoken with on radio that would stand out for you as favorites? I haven't been doing this for very long, <laughs> but I've interviewed quite a lot of people. <laughs> I've interviewed quite a lot of interesting people. I think that's very important because I'm first a listener before I'm a radio presenter. So if a guest is going to come on when I'm when I'm preparing for an interview, I'm actually preparing in the, with the mindset of, as a listener, what sort of information would I like this person to share on the radio? If I have 15 minutes from my house to work, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast from Lagos, that's not you. <laughs> but for, I mean, for you if in Abuja or in any other city where the traffic is not intense like that, if you have 20, 30, 40 minutes or whatever for you to get from point A to point B, and you hear that somebody you like is going to be interviewed on a radio station, what do you expect? What would you like to know? I am a listener, so I'm really asking this question from a listener's perspective. I just happen to be the presenter who is in front of the guest at the time, right? So thinking about that, I can't pick one exactly, but I'd say that I've really enjoyed my conversations with MI. I've had about three of them with him over the course of my career. He's always a delight. He's a very smart man, obviously, as you know. And we always leave our conversations with a sort of mutual respect for each other's craft. Like, I enjoy your music a lot. Obviously, a big MI fan, but I also enjoy the way he comes prepared for his interviews. And he he leaves interviews knowing that ah he'd been really tested. His metal has been tested. He's given information that he didn't really think he was even going to give at the time. And we've most importantly had an enjoyable conversation. It's really a convo between two people. And the listener just happens to be somebody sitting there, eavesdropping, if you like. If we put that image out there. And they just enjoy it. And I think those are the sort of interviews that I enjoy. I've, I've enjoyed talking to Emma over the few times we've, we've spoken. Vector is also very smart and incredibly interesting to talk to. I enjoyed the one conversation I had with Beverly Naya, the actor. She was incredible. I mean, I mean, knowing her and watching her, I had to do a lot of work with my research on that. And, and it showed in interviews. One of my favorite interviews to go back and listen to. And I, I do that. I'm not going to lie. I go back to some of my favorite interviews with guests and... And I'm like, yeah, you know, this was a good conversation, you know? Yeah, there's so many of them, man. Uh, Johnny Drill. Oh, my God. Um, Adekule Gold. Um, Yemi Alade was so much fun. Because uh, interv- I interviewed her when she had Johnny first. She had come to Benin with Files, the bad guy at the time. But when I moved to Sound City, Lagos in 2017, she came by. And it was, it was a good way to catch up. And I remember that interview very well because she'd been on social media lashing back at people who were calling out at the time. I, she doesn't do that anymore, thankfully. I think she's going to much thicker skin. Because we had a friendly relationship. So when she came and I, and I hit her with that question, it sort of took her by surprise that I would you know, go there. But it was good. It was, it was a good conversation. And uh, she respected the fact that I did. And, and, and we enjoyed it. I, I've had so many... I've been blessed to talk to so many interesting people. I've spoken to governors. But yeah, I think... Top three for me, if I were to absolutely choose Tony, I'd say MI, I'd say Vector, I'd say Beverly Naya. We're flipping the coin again, and this time I'd like you to talk about those who were not particularly friendly with you (laughs) during your interview sessions with them. Uh, Do you have any particular ones that come to mind? Wow. Well, well, now that you ask, hmm... Well, Tony, I mean, do we have to? <laughs> the good thing is, a lot of our interviews are pre-recorded. <laughs> and when I say I've done lots of interviews, there are some interviews that I have done that have never made it to air. They have not gone on, on, on the internet in any podcast format. 
they just exist as a recording on some hard drive. And that's fine because it's either I didn't particularly enjoy them or the guest wasn't particularly interesting. And in my editorial judgment, I felt like it wouldn't be a fantastic use of the listener's time to put this on air. And I, I don't know, you may think it's an indictment on my skills as an interviewer not to get the best out of every guest, but some guests just don't bring it. You know, what can you do? You can be the best skilled interviewer in the world, but if your guest doesn't bring it, your guest doesn't bring it, right? So that's happened a few times. And uh, those interviews will be on that hard drive forever. <laughs> some interviews are on a hard drive, not because the, the guests or the quality of the interview wasn't great. It's just not the timing has been great to put out the interview. My format lets me record a bunch of them and sometimes I'll put out information about an interview or put out bits of an interview four months after I've recorded it and it's still fresh or it's still relevant or something has happened that's made parts of that interview relevant. So I haven't had a worst interview. Um, if at all, it's been bad. It hasn't gone on air. It's not in a podcast format. Therefore, between you and I, Tony, doesn't exist. Okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's talk about regulation. DMVC, how would you rate their performance so far? I, I wouldn't rate the NBC very highly right now. I think the NBC over the last few years sort of stifled sort of stifled the space more than it has enabled the space to grow. I mean, I get it. I get that, you know, as broadcasters, we should be focused on engendering unity in the country, given the precarious times that we live in right now. But I also feel as broadcasters, we have a, we have a duty to hold people in authority to account and if the regulator which is supposed to be impartial does certain things or makes certain pronouncements or invokes certain sections of its code in such a way as to seem like it's taking a side it doesn't really let us do our job doesn't really let us enjoy doing our jobs right um i feel like the NBC can do a lot better in that regard, can do a lot better in trusting broadcasters to be discerning, you know, with, with editorial content that go on air, right? It just hasn't been the case. I, I feel like, especially as a young person who participated in the end SARS protests, um, I mean, I went to those protests not as a, as a radio presenter. I didn't go there to, quote-unquote, gather news. I went there because, I, you know, I have... I have been a victim of police harassment. I think I know people who have been harassed by the police. Um, I, I've, I've read, I think we all have read of those uh, fatal accounts as well. And I don't think any one of us was happy reading that. I don't think that when the protests went live last year, that it felt particularly good as a presenter, especially for me in a format that caters to young people, especially and as somebody in that age bracket, I, I mean, I, I, I felt like the NBC at the time didn't, wasn't, wasn't encouraging at all. Um, I went to protest. I did. I was, I was tear gassed. I, I felt the blast of a water cannon. It's not a pretty experience. And, you know, I couldn't do a radio show on the 21st of October, the night after what happened in Lekki happened. The stakes are just too high for broadcasters. You know, as a presenter, there's not a lot you can do. I, my management was pretty cool. You know, um, I remember I sent a message on the night of the 20th of October to say that I don't know about doing a show tomorrow, guys. I, I'm not really feeling it. You know, I feel kind of sick right now. 
And um, I think the message that I got back had been kind of, look, um, it's okay. If you can't, that's fine. And I remember I only did one link that morning and the link was to express how, how incredibly hurt and sick I felt seeing what had gone on. Obviously, in the years since, there's been all these theories and all these bits and pieces of misinformation spreading across. But, you know, we know what happened. And um, the fact that the unblemished story can't be shared on air is, uh, I mean, it's sad. How do you curate history if you don't put out these things, right? I mean, that's why I'm happy. I'm happy for other other media that exists for us to do that earlier that's why i said i'm happy for podcasts because podcasts can tell this sort of story i'm looking forward to a documentary i mean we've seen tv documentaries but it'd be nice to have a podcast documentary i've i've listened to uh podcast specials on it uh, i think bbc did one very impressive one in december last year i've um i've listened to a few but it'd be nice to to have a pod sometime in the future that documents everything that happened during the NSAS protests. It was a a pivotal time in Nigeria's history. As a young person, I was proud to have been involved in the the protest. I was proud to have lent my voice in in the most NBC code-friendly way that I could on the radio. And I feel like the code is there to guide, to enable broadcasters to do the best of their jobs for the audience that they serve. It's not there to stifle. I just just feel like we need that tweak in in what the code is, is set up to do for us. So... Yeah, mm, that that would be that. <laughs> now, down to things that get you upset. What are your three worst pet peeves? Ah, uh, three worst pet peeves. Ah, uh, tardiness, man. I don't like people who come late to stuff. I hate it a lot with my life. I mean, as a radio person, punctuality is such a big deal. Time is such an important tool for me, right? So people who don't take my time seriously, I feel like are not serious people in life. <laughs> so I don't rate them. Um, you know, I mean, typical things like chewing loudly. I hate that. I hate that shit. God. And, um, I mean, you know, if you have a partner, you know, or you leave with somebody or you have a roommate or whatever, the people who press toothpaste on the middle of the tube, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is really wrong with you? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> those would be some of my pet peeves. I could go on with them more than three, but since you asked for only three, you get just three. If Osato had superpowers, what would they be? And what would you do with them? If I had superpowers, man, <laughs> I I wouldn't mind to to have Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. You know, <laughs> there are a few people in authority I would just like to whip. <laughs> I mean, whip to make them feel some pain, but also whip so that you know it will hold them and they, they can they can tell tell the truth about their roles in getting Nigeria to this point, own it and try and do better, you know? Yeah, I, I don't want to be able to disappear on you know, those extra stuff. No, I want to be able, <laughs> able to... I want Wonder Woman's lasso of truth and I want to use it on a few people, okay? <laughs> let's see. Let's talk about your... Let's talk about radio. What if radio wasn't an option? What would you do? I wouldn't have a life. If it weren't for radio. Oh, really? Wow. So something I don't normally share a lot is that I found radio at a very uh, pivotal time in my life where my headspace wasn't great. I just uh, lost my uncle who was very dear to me. He died very, very young. And um, he was my guy, man. Losing him at 
such a young age, I mean, like him being really young, I think it was early 30s, and his life was really just starting to make a lot of sense. I thought to myself, you know, why am I on a path that was set for me by someone else when I know I'm going to be incredibly unhappy if I continue on this path in the future? I was already unhappy because I was sad and I was grieving, I was depressed. And I thought, look, if I'm going to get out of this, I need to find things that, that I like, that will give me joy doing, that I know that even on my worst day, I will show up to do those things and they'll help me go through. So I, so I listened to the radio at the time and I thought, you know, radio is such a powerful thing because it helped me get better mentally. And I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't cling to radio in that time, both as a listener and eventually as a presenter. Even on days where I feel really bad. I mean, I, re- I recently lost my grandmother and I got the news while I was on air. I literally was just introducing the show, What's Up ABJ, saying all these fun things, laughing and everything. And I saw the phone ringing while I was talking on the mic. Phone was obviously on silent mode. And I said, okay, I'm going to return the call. And I returned the call and my aunt told me my grandma had passed. She and I were incredibly close as well. Um, and I remember I cried and I went on air, did the show. I did the show for a week before, you know, taking a two-week break to go grieve with my family. But I remember that the only reason I could wake up in the morning was because I knew I had to go do a radio show for that week. That initial week of my grandma's passing, I knew that I had to wake up at 3.30, you know. Um, there's probably somebody who was grieving too, or somebody who was going through a lot of darkness, who was going through a dark time or a bad time or was, was, was trying to get some joy. And their key was, oh, I need to listen to the radio this morning. Maybe this person will say something that will make me chuckle or laugh or just, you know, for a moment distract me from my reality. And that's why I showed up. And in showing up for people who maybe were going through something similar, I showed up for myself. And that's what radio really has done for me over the years. And for that, I mean, I'm incredibly grateful. So I don't, I don't know that I, would, I could do anything else if it's not related to radio or audio or the media. I don't know that I would be good at it, to be honest. I'm not sure everybody's got one, but let me ask all the same. What's your favorite meal? So as, as an adult man, I'll tell you my favorite meal is pandejama and egusi soup, but I haven't had that in a long time. I don't know if Ajayev is my favorite meal. I would say that these days I enjoy a lot of breakfast type meals. I make a lot of pancakes. I buy a lot of pancakes. <laughs> Waffles and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but for special occasions now, if I really need to feel good, I would definitely enjoy a meal of pounded jam and egusi. But I don't, I don't take it as often as I used to anymore. Hmm. What about your favorite drink? Everybody who knows me, always ever been in a radio studio with me, will know that my favorite drink is water. I always have a big bottle of water <laughs> with me every morning. I drink a lot of water. I drink an incredible amount of water. I did a 90-day challenge some, some years ago to stop soda, and it worked. So I don't drink soda as much. Maybe twice, three times in a month, if I remember. Maybe if I'm at somewhere where there's a bit of it, I will have some from soda. But I don't know that I can finish... 160 cl of a, of a of a soda bottle anymore i just can't i don't have it in me maybe as a chaser for some alcohol which i recently resumed drinking after some time away in bits and pieces just you know but water water is my favorite drink <laughs> osato what's the legacy you want to leave behind Ooh. yo i want the work that i'm doing to that's a very tough question, Tony. Um, <laughs> thinking of one's legacy. I haven't even done this for 10 years, you know? Um, it'll be 10 years next year for me. Um, but I know that 
I'd like for people to, to use my work as a model for theirs. I want to keep doing such excellent work that people can always point out to say, yo, you know, if EDK could do that, I can try. I can do it just as well, maybe even better, because why not, you know? I want to do my best to keep sharing knowledge so that the people who come after me don't have to work as hard to know the things that I worked super hard to know. And hopefully that will make their immediate work easier and free up some time for them to go learn about more things that I probably don't have the time to learn about now. And they can do a lot better than I'm doing. And maybe I can then learn from them. And it's a cycle, right? My my ultimate goal really in with, with being in the media is to help build a tribe of people who take it just as seriously as I do or even more seriously than I do and raise the stakes. I want people who can save radio from, from where it is. I want people who can elevate radio, the quality of broadcasting from where it is now to, to a much higher level. I want to help people realize that they're not competing in a local market like Lagos or Abuja or Enugu or Patakot or Kanu. They're competing globally. I want people to do radio like they were doing it in New York or in London. I want a situation where people deliver such great radio experiences that anybody from anywhere in the world, at any time of the day, whatever language that they speak, even if they don't understand what you're saying entirely, or they don't speak English like we do here on the radio, or they don't understand Pigeon English if it's a Pigeon English station or if it's an indigenous language radio station or whatever, but just the experience of knowing that the presenter is communicating and having fun and and sharing great experiences with listeners. Anybody from anywhere in the world can tap in and and feel that. It would mean a lot if we had more of that sort of quality where your work is comparable to some of the best in the world. That's a legacy that I would like to leave, that my work compares to some of the best that's ever been done and in such a way would inspire people to to be just as good or better. My guest has been Osatu EDK. Thank you, Tony Doe, for doing this, man. Uh, when I saw that you were launching the... I thought that was neat because I listen to a lot of podcasts about radio, but there's not one that I've listened to that features a lot of Nigerian podcasters. So it's really dope that you're doing this. I love that you're so big on podcasts. I follow you for a lot of podcast tips as well. And I know that you're an OG at this. So I want to thank you for all the work that you've done in the industry over the years. I know that that industry is not one that really rewards. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, a lot. But I like that you that you're pivoting into the podcast space, and you're again you're blazing the trail, really, because there's nobody doing it the way you're doing, especially with podcasts about broadcast. So I'm I'm very grateful for the time and the effort that you're taking in to do this, because all these conversations that you're having with different radio presenters across the country would, believe it or not, serve as a form of resource material for presenters that are coming up. People are going to listen to these stories and listen to these takes on different things about radio and media and learn from them and hopefully use that to improve on themselves. Because that's what I've done, listening to uh, other radio presenters on other podcasts in other parts of the world. And I've learned from that. So I know that people are going to learn from the conversations that you're having with uh, presenters in Nigeria. So well done, Tony Do, and thank you for the good work you're doing. My guest has been Osatu EDK, and this has been one of my favorite conversations. Thank you for listening. 
If you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor and tell somebody about it. Let them check it out as well. Also, if you'd like to support, the links are in the show notes on how you can do that. Thank you for listening.